afternoon, everybody. We are live once again. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM, giving you the latest in sports as well as our own little special lists and topics that are going on and basically what's trending in the world of sports today. And you know what? It's it's another it's another hot day in Brooklyn. I'm getting used to this weather now. It's starting to get hot again. Summer's right around the corner. Spring just hit us and it hit us hard. I mean, can you call nice weather hitting you hard? But I don't know. Depends on how you look at it. If you're a weather type of guy, if you're into the hot weather or the cold weather, it is what it is. All I know is great baseball weather. So definitely go out there, go to those games. This is the time to go. The weather's perfect like this. Not too hot, not too cold. We're giving you like the three bears and Goldilocks references here. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking a little crazy because there's something different in the air today. Some would say it's a... It's a very familiar uh, aroma that only comes around once a year. Or for many, it's uh, every other day or when they have time off. But of course, those people I'm talking about have it medicinal. Just saying. We're talking about 420. Happy 420, everybody. It's become such a, you know, it's funny. It's like the biggest unofficial holiday. Something that seems so like, you know, let's kind of just hide it a little bit. It's, it's so mainstream now. The uh, the enjoyment of certain herbs. I'm just going to say that. And I'm going to definitely have a dedicated time on the show where we look back at some of the greatest stars in sports. And not only their dedication on the court, on the field but to the holiday known as 420 anytime they have a chance to. So we're going to talk about the top five, my my top five. I know everybody has their own top five. I'm going to go with my top five 420 athletes. All right. Could be a little controversial here, but I feel very comfortable with my list. And I definitely want to hear your list. So call in throughout 516-900-2278. Like I said, the two o'clock hour, I'm definitely going to get into that. But uh, this hour, besides the uh, boring NBA games, uh, let's be honest, these, these NBA playoffs have been so far pretty subpar. None of the games are close. Everything's pretty much a blowout from the higher seed. There's nothing to be excited about. What is going to help this situation like what's going to give the Memphis Grizzlies a chance in this series even though everybody knows they have not a chance ever in beating San Antonio what's going to make it an intriguing series same could be said for Houston I mean yes I guess the little drama now is because you got Steph Curry not playing because of the ankle injury game three is Houston's best shot in my opinion if they can't beat Golden State at home then it's not worth watching. The series is just going to end like that. I don't want to hear about them coming back. It's the Clippers uh, last year. This is a totally different team. This is a team that's already tasted a championship before. They know how to win. They know how to put teams away. They have the all-time wins record in the regular season. Let's put it in perspective. The Atlanta Hawks and the Boston Celtics series, I just got to put you know, put that out there. I'm a little disappointed in Boston. I thought we'd get a better effort. I mean, Atlanta is just having their way with the Boston Celtics. You can't tell me because Avery Bradley being out led to such a beatdown they received yesterday. 
You know, I'm, I was a big Brad Stevens guy. I was talking about him, coach of the year. I don't know, man. You just don't, you can't take losses like that. Speaking of awards, Jamal Crawford, LA Clippers, well deserved his third Sixth Man of the Year award. Something to be said about that. I, I know it's not the most glamorous award out there, but for a guy to be so effective for so many years off the bench, that's that's worth acknowledging. I'm not going to say he's a Hall of Famer, but let's check the numbers. Let's check the numbers for a guy off the bench. I mean, we brought in, you know, Dennis Rodman for being such a great hustle guy, great rebounder, great defensive player. Can we really put six men in the, you know, that same category? Is that, does that make any sense for anybody? Just a thought. But of course, you know, I already said earlier, defensive player of the year for the second straight year, the claw himself, Kawhi Leonard. Never seems comfortable in the spotlight, even though he's uh, one of the top players in the NBA. Very interesting situation there. Also, the Dallas Mavericks and the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're having themselves quite a series now. It went from a huge, monumentous blowout by OKC in the game in game one, and then game two. Kevin Durant forgot how to play basketball, just or for that matter, just forgot how to put the basketball in the hoop. It was a struggles galore for that game for Kevin Durant. I, you know, I think he only beat what seven shots, seven to thirty-one or something of that nature. That's that's not gonna get it done. But yet OKC still had a chance to win if uh, Steven Adams would have got that shot up a second earlier. Because Raymond Felton choked at the free throw line. We know he had a great game. Can't take too much away from Raymond Felton. But uh, that series is surprisingly all tied up heading into game three. It's, uh, like I said, I don't know what's led to all the NBA blowouts. Because usually it's playoff time. Everybody's supposed to buckle down. This is when you get to get the tough defense and the, you know, the close games. It hasn't been any of that. I don't remember one time Marv Albert said this is the playoff-like intensity. I haven't seen any of that. It's it's almost like they're not trying to. Uh, they're not really trying to give you anything else. I, you know, I always talk about the lower seed. If you're in a playoff series, you got to give it everything you got because you have a lot to prove. You got to steal that one game. We saw that with Indiana and in Toronto. We just saw that with Dallas and OKC. You got to steal that game. But these teams are just laying down and getting destroyed. My goodness. The Memphis game last night was a snore fest. The Spurs just had their way with them. It's, it's, it's ridiculous watching these games. If you're a casual NBA fan, you've already cut the TV off. You started watching The Flash last night. That's how bad it gets. Atlanta, Boston, are you kidding me? You know, the, the quality of the games got to get better. You hope they do. Because it's that's ridiculous. I'm such a fan of, you know, seeing like 
seeing good games, seeing like more competitive matchups, even if it's not my team, obviously the Knicks. Speaking of the Knicks, Bill Jackson took over the team about, let's say two years ago. A lot of high expectations, big hopes, big dreams. I wonder, let's give him an assessment here. So I'm gonna bring in our Keeping It Real Sports evaluator. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call him, that's his new, his new title. He's the official evaluator for players, coaches, teams. I'm going to this guy. He's a lawyer, but I'm gonna let him use his, uh, his evaluating skills here for this situation. So we're gonna evaluate Phil Jackson on today's show. So then we're gonna have Esquire call in AKA Claude LaRoche, give his thoughts in a couple of minutes. Also, Conor McGregor announces on Twitter that he has fought his last match, even though he's supposed to have that rematch with Diaz for UFC 200. Don't know what the situation is with that, but it's very interesting because he has this match already set, but then he goes out there and announces he's gonna retire. A lot of question marks. Could this be a ploy for more money, or is he really done? I don't know. Everybody's retiring early, whether it's football and now UFC. You don't know anymore. We're going to have Anthony Chalute call in. He writes all the MMA for KeepItRealSports.com, and he's been following this story. And it's funny. We spoke to him last week. We were talking about just UFC coming to New York and it being allowed. And we were saying the Conor McGregor fight, you know, what's he going to bring once he does get a match in MSG? Now it may never happen because allegedly he's retired. Out of the blue, no real warning. So we're going to see how uh, they're going to try to recover the UFC 200 card now if Conor McGregor's not going to fight. Does that make Diaz uh, the new guy? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's up in the air. We're gonna see what they're what they're thinking about doing. Who's their replacements? I mean, they're still a mess in the whole women's division. They don't know who to put in the in the next battle. Is it gonna be Holly Holm? Is it gonna be Tate? Is it gonna be Ronda Rousey? There's all these question marks regarding that. And oh, of course, the number one question mark is when when is CM Punk actually gonna fight? Because we know he could talk, but can he actually fight? Uh, still yet to be seen. And it's funny, I was looking on when he signed. It was around 2014. The end of 2014, he signed his contract. But yet, he's spent more time talking and promoting when he's going to fight than actually fighting. We all know he has this, this new injury now that he suffered, and he may not be out there as soon as we thought he would be. It could be this year. It could be early next year. Just a lot of questions, and... And no one has answers there in UFC. This is just the worst time, especially with the New York being allowed to, to fight and compete in New York City is such a big deal because you know they had something planned for Madison Square Garden soon. And already your top people are not really in order. It's still a lot of uh, guessing as to what they want to do. I'm looking forward to seeing a match with CM Punk just because of what we know from not just WWE, the Muay Thai background and the fighting in Japan. Does it really translate? You know, like, is that really one of those things that translates to 
being a great a great UFC fighter. I mean, that's a, that's a whole different animal in itself. I mean, we can sit down and debate it and and throw a million different million different like guesses at it. But um, once again, I'm really looking forward to your guys' thoughts. 516-900-2278. And uh, what we're going to do right now is uh, take a break. You're listening to Sports Social at Easton here on Soundcast FM. Do me a favor, baby. Turn up them drums a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now we bouncing. I like that. Come on, fellas.
Black Sports Social here on Southcast FM at Easton. And uh, like I said, we're going to talk about Phil Jackson and trying to evaluate what type of job he's done with the Knicks. And it's always, you know, it's always kind of been the same thing. Like, let's just wait and give him time. You know, we don't want to rush him. But it's been two years now. Two years, no playoff appearances. Last year's team was the worst in worst in history of the franchise. And this year's team, yes, they won a couple more games, but still a disappointment. He drafted Kristaps Porzingis. That was the big draft pick that kind of kept him afloat and saying that he knows what he's doing a little bit. But then you have the uh, situation with the coach. Derek Fisher was his guy. Seems like he spent more time chasing every player that he had his girl you know their girlfriends than actually setting up plays I mean this was it was a mess from the beginning Kurt Rambis another one of his guys he, he brings him in he was the assistant coach and they bump him up and make him the interim head coach he was horrible the rest of the year he sits down Aaron Afalo one of the better scorers has him come, has him come off the bench and it changes the dynamic of the team. You, you, you play Porzingis more minutes, you get him hurt. You play Carmelo more minutes, you get him hurt. And yet we don't know the development in terms of the young players we do have. Clee Anthony Early, once he came back, he was okay. What do you have with Jerry and Grant? The guys, you know, a first-round pick. Is he a future point guard on the team? This is the time to find out. He's still stuck with Calderon. Nobody wants him, even if you try to trade him. So many questions in regards to what to do with the Knicks and also Phil Jackson. So, you know, we're going to just take the time to, like, let's let's look at it. He's, let's assess where he's at and what he wants to do. There was a rumor about him going back to L.A. Then uh, Jeannie Buss came out and said that's not happening, so throw that out there. Luke Walton has been the next guy they've thrown out there and saying that he could be the coach, right, as the assistant coach for the Warriors. He didn't have Warriors approval to talk to Luke Walton, so it's it's just a lot of I don't know. Phil does things his way. He got in trouble last year for being at a game and scouting uh, D'Angelo Russell at a college game, which was illegal. Can't do that. But he didn't know. It's uh things like that have been the problem with Phil Jackson and it just trying to figure out what type of manager he's going to be, what type of, you know, executive he is. We know the type of coach he's always been in his career. And it's kind of funny how he just doesn't want to jump back into those ranks. There's no coach better. I mean, we could go and look at the Luke Waltons. We could look at Tim, you know, Thibodeau, Jeff Van Gundy again. I've heard his name for some reason. Mark Jackson. It's going to be the same problem because all you got to do is run the, to run the uh, triangle offense. And I'm not a big fan of the triangle because I kind of go back to what Charles Barkley always says on Inside the NBA. What made the triangle offense so great was not the actual structure of it. But uh, certain players like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Shaquille O'Neal, that makes it a triangle offense. That helps it work. But uh, you can't do it with a guy like Carmelo. That's just not his game. 
I mean, Kristaps Porzingis, another, I feel like was a plus on his side. But they changed his game completely once Rambus took over. They wanted to play him more out of the post when he's not, that's kind of not his game. He has to be a guy that's in the, around the perimeter. He has to be facing up against the defense. But playing with playing him with his back to the basket, I get that's a good thing for him to get used to once he gets older. But now that he's in his, he's still, what, 20 years old. Let him play his game. That's what was making him successful in the first half. His numbers decreased heavily. He was taking a beating down low because he doesn't have the weight on him. It just It's just not smart. Just not a smart move at all, and that's why Rambus is going to catch so much heat if he does officially get reinstated as the full-time coach. I just can't see it. I, I can, you know, it's the, this is the first time as a Knicks fan where I can say, man, I, I really hope Dolan steps in. Like, I really hope that guy gets rid of Phil. It's the first time I'm saying this. It's becoming just a, just a mess. And I, like I said, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of the Knicks, but I do want to see better, just better communication in the front office, better coaching decisions. We just look like a joke out there. And I can. I guess I could harp about this all day. And I said I was going to keep it to a minimum right now because I know other people have opinions in regards to the situation. So it's it's just going to be very, very, very interesting. But once again, 516-900-2278 is the number to call in. If you have your thoughts on Phil Jackson. You know, it's funny because I, I said I'm making my top five in the second hour of uh, 420 players. You got to add Phil Jackson's that list. He's a, he's a big advocate of 420. I don't know if it helped him too much on the court, but he's a big advocate of that. So you could, he could probably make a couple of lists for some people. And I wonder what the uh, caller here has to say in regards to it. You're on the air, sir. Hello? Yeah, how's it going? Hey, hey, how's it going? This is Claude LaRoche. I'm calling, um, you know, there's a huge issue I have with a certain somebody who's the president of the New York, New York Knicks. Uh, his name's Phil Jackson. Right. Yeah, now, we... so I talk saying... to you about how I feel about Phil all the time. Claude, you still there? On the system. Here we go. That, that, quite frankly, does not work in the NBA. Okay. It doesn't. Phil Jackson is the only person that has been successful with this so-called triangle offense. He wants to hire somebody whose coaching record is abysmal, all right? I, 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 I'm older than the amount of wins Kurt Rambis has in his career. This is true. Right? Yeah. But, no, it's not. But, but, <laughs> but he doesn't have been. <laughs> Okay, I'll right. let you go with it. He doesn't I'll... have many. Now, quite frankly, here's the deal. We're at 
a major turning point in this process. Phil Jackson is about to be on year three of his contract with the Knicks. Right. He can leave. He wants out. He doesn't want to be here. Why are we giving him the opportunity to hire somebody that does not fit in the NBA today? Why are we giving him an opportunity to hire somebody that we're going to be stuck with for the next two, three years that cannot be competent in, in what we need to win? Melo has a finite window. That window is closing fast. And Kristaps' window has yet to fully open. We have to take advantage of what we have right now. But we have to hire Tom Thibodeau. And if that means giving Tom Thibodeau full control of the New York Knicks, then that's what we have to do. You think? You, now, here's my thing. You don't think that's a, a little dramatic? Let's give Tom Thibodeau full control of the Knicks, and and let's be honest, they didn't give him full control of the Bulls for a reason. And granted, the Bulls had a you know a big down year this year. I just don't think giving Thibodeau the same type of controls as Phil Jackson and also making him the head coach is the answer. Well, here's the problem. Phil doesn't want to be here. Phil has not shown any sort of commitment to the Knicks. And what has he really done in the time that he's been here besides select Kristaps Porzingis? He failed at bringing Steve Kerr in. He brought in Derek Fisher and didn't surround him with the right tools to make him a successful head coach. And he sent him away bringing in this man, Kurt Rambis, who, quite frankly, hasn't done a better job than Derek Fisher. Are, they, are the Knicks looking better at running the triangle? Yeah, sure. But the triangle is not the set-all, be-all in the NBA. Tom Thibodeau has, has shown that he could take a lower-class NBA players, especially when he had Nate Robinson as his starting point guard, and he took them to the playoffs, and they were competitive. Now imagine what he could do if he had control of his roster and he could bring in the guys that fit his system, a system that is proven in the NBA, a, a coach who has taken the year off to learn from other coaches, somebody who's not stuck in his own ways. I mean, the, 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 the work that he did with the Celtics to beat those Lakers, my gosh, why aren't we, we at his feet to hire him? Well, you know, he used to be an assistant coach for the Knicks back in the day. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Like, I do. I do. We got we to gotta bring our old guys back. Mark Jackson, he's out there. He wants to come back. Tom Thibodeau, he wants to come back. Hell, Patrick Ewing, bring him back. I, I know Patrick Ewing has been begging for a uh, head coaching job with the Knicks, but here's the, here's the biggest question that you have to look at. The biggest thing with these coaches, and it seems to get fired all the time with the Knicks, is how do you coach Carmelo Anthony? You see what I mean? Like I think Carmelo now, in his at this point in his career, has been more open to change. But at the end of the day, the end all be all is how do you play with this guy? Do you put the the right type of players around him in order to become successful? I feel like they had that formula when they had Jason Kidd. They had all these veterans, and Carmelo didn't have to be the vocal leader that he is now. It was a lot yeah. easier. That's really what the difference was. You had all these veteran players, but now Carmelo's looking around him and he says, "Oh man, I'm the veteran player now." Well, even Carmelo is clamoring for Tom Thibodeau to come to New York. And that should say something because, you know what, Carmelo knows. He's not the best defensive player out there, and he needs a guy who can scheme around his defense. Let's be real. Carmelo is what he is at this point in his career. He is not going to be a shutdown defender, and we, we need to scheme around him. He's the best offensive threat that we got. 
All right. Now, before um, I brought you on, I was kind of um, teasing, saying that you have your new title. You're now the official evaluator for Keeping It Real Sports. So you just evaluated uh, Bill Jackson. What is the grade that you would give him? Uh, the grade that I would give Phil Jackson, well, first, let me say thank you. I didn't even know that this was, uh, yes, this best- was an honor that was going to be bestowed upon me. It is bestowed upon you, yes. But, <laughs> but um, let, me, let me take Phil Jackson year by year. Um, in year one, when he hired Steve Kerr, I mean, when he wanted to hire Steve Kerr and he failed at doing that, um, he still he made a move. He got Anthony early, and he did what he could with the roster that was given to him. Um, based off of that, I did give Phil Jackson a B- minus as a GM for that year. Okay. Um, now, as we move forward, the Kristaps pick, in hindsight, was a great selection. Um, but certain moves, certain, certain... Phil Jackson, so far, I'll give him a B. But the way that he speaks, the way that he moves with the Knicks... I'm giving him an F. The reason being is I don't get the sense that Phil wants to be here. I don't have a sense of security of Phil making picks that are in the best interest of the Knicks. And I don't think that Phil is the man to do the job that we need him to do. Now, if he wants to coach these Knicks himself, then come on down and coach these Knicks yourself. But um, – I don't think that he's the guy that can handle this job, and we may need to look elsewhere sooner rather than later. Okay, I definitely agree with that. And uh, just real quick, I want to get your opinion on the playoffs so far. To me, I think this has been probably the most boring first round so far, I think, in NBA history. Let, let's be honest. And I know we're only two games in for uh, most teams, but this is this has been pretty boring with some of these uh, finishes. It's, it's extremely underwhelming, especially when you're looking at like a, a series such as uh, Boston versus Atlanta that I thought would be more competitive and, and Boston has laid an egg. Yeah. Uh, the most exciting series so far has honestly been Dallas versus OKC, and who, who would have saw that coming? No. Um, I think that this first round of the playoffs isn't living up to expectation because the expectation was so high for the playoffs as well. It is. Um, people are ready to get to, to Golden State versus... San Antonio, and they're clamoring for that series. Um, let the playoffs play out, people. What we have is good basketball. It's not the best stuff that we've seen in years, but pretty soon we'll get to that series, and, and once that series is done, there goes the playoffs with it, in my opinion. Whoever wins that series is winning the playoffs. All right, I definitely could agree with that. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes now. I did say that I have one more thing for you, and because in the second hour, I'm actually going through my top five 420 players of all time. Now, you know what I mean by 420. I'm not going to say what that actually means, but <laughs> I'm going to give the, you know. Yeah, I, I know what you mean by okay. 420 players. So, um, who's your top five 420 players, if you could think real quick off the top of your head? Man, top five. Uh, first it's got to be Ricky Williams. I mean, the guy, he, he quit NFL for his 420 activities. He did. Um, number number two has to be Michael Phelps. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, Bill Walton. Number four, man. That's where it gets tough. Uh, it gets tough because, you know, not a lot of guys have the exposure, but Josh Gordon. I got to give Gordon. Josh Gordon, you know. Get Josh a, a Gordon makes the list. And, and number five, it's just a guy who looks like he's always on it. I got 
Eli Manning. I don't know if see, there's any correlation see, between the way that he looks and and what he's doing. I was I with you. I think it's there. I was with you until that last one. Eli Manning is not on 420. I don't think he's a 420 guy, right? He looks like he's a 420 <laughs> guy, but I, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> But uh, hey, look, only time will tell. Only time will tell. You you never know. He's been playing long <laughs> enough, right? But uh, Claude, thanks again, man, for calling in, and I'll catch up with you later. Most definitely. Have a good one. All right. Eli Manning makes the list. How does Eli Manning make the list of top four twenty players? <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's you know under the influence, but I don't think that's that's the case for him. Oh, man. But uh, definitely Claude has some great points in regards to Phil Jackson. And, you know, he, he seems to be in love with the idea of Tom Thibodeau. I don't know. Tom Thibodeau, I like the guy. I think he's a great defensive you know, coach. But is this team really... Are they really ready for that? Like, are they the type of team that can can really form into a defensive force? I like Robin Lopez at center. I think he makes the most sense there. Melo has gotten better at um, playing defense. The point guard position's a mess, so they have to make an upgrade there. I don't know. I just... Not really sold on the whole... Let's... Let's get uh, Tom Thibodeau and throw everything on him. I just don't see that happening. Hey, what do I know? Once again, call me up, 516-900-2278. When we come back, I'm going to have Anthony Shalhoub on. He's going to talk some UFC, find out what in the world is going on with Conor McGregor. Is he done was he just tweeting because he does joke around a lot? We don't know. But we will find out. We'll be right back to Sports Social on Soundcast FM. Too hot to handle, too cold to hold. They called the Ghostbusters and the end control. Had a throwing party for a bunch of children. Well, all the while, the sign was under the building. So they packed up, we grew, got a grip, came equipped, grabbed the proton packs from the back, and they split. Run out of Bob Beagle, the master of evil. Try to battle my boys. That's not legal. Me, you're 
Bobby Brown, that's a throwback right there. Listen to keep it. I'm, oh, wow, look at me. Listen to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Southcast FM. Brought to you by Keep It a Real Sports. See, look at that. I had to save myself. But uh, we just had Claude on the line that he was talking about Phil Jackson, his hatred for him. And, and I get it. You know, it's it, it makes sense. The guy hasn't done a great job. Now, he brought in his, his other thoughts in regards to the just NBA playoffs in itself and the different problems that are going on and just keeping people's interests. I mean, I'm a big NBA fan, and I look forward to the playoffs like everybody else. But I got to be honest with myself, too. As, as bad as it's been this first round, you know it's only going to get better for the semifinals because all those matchups are marquee matchups. You know, we're looking at the Clippers and the Warriors in the second round, probably. Then you got... San Antonio taking on OKC if OKC can get past Dallas. Those are pretty good matchups. So I still feel like there's a a good chance for some type of uh, excitement in these playoffs. We just got to be a little patient. We're not going to get that first round big surprise that we're used to every year. I think we got all of our joy and uh, surprises from the NCAA tournament last month. 
Because there were plenty of them. Trust me, they were. I'm looking at right now because we have the NHL playoffs underway. And I know many of you out there are NHL fans. Got to give a quick update. The uh, Rangers took a very interesting uh, loss last night. And I don't really understand, you know, what happened. Uh, Lundqvist was so dominating in the first two games. Well, the second game, I should say, the first one he got hurt. They lose 3-1 to one to the Penguins at home. Penguins take a 2-1 to one lead in that series. Got a lot of question marks there in terms of the Rangers and scoring on power plays. That's always going to be the case. Uh, last night also, the Lightning defeated the, the Red Wings to go up 3-1 in that series. They're looking to shut that one out and uh, close down Joe Lewis Arena for the Red Wings for good in that series. The Blues took a commanding three games to one lead after winning 4-3 yesterday. And the Ducks got back into the series, picking up their first win against Nashville. Won the road. Huge win. Now Nashville only leads the series two games to one going into game four. Today's games, we got the Capitals looking to put away the Flyers in a sweep. That game's at 7 o'clock. Then you have the Panthers and the Islanders. Islanders looking to go up three games to one. And that's going to be at 8 o'clock back at Barclays Center. Remember how exciting that first game was on Sunday. The uh, Stars take on the Wild. Stars up two games to one in that series in Minnesota. And the LA Kings, who finally found a way to get back into the series against the San Jose Sharks, are down two games to one. They also play again tonight, and that game is going to be on USA. So a free big slate of games on different channels, USA, NBC, Sports Network, all have games on today. And with that being said, we have our guest here on the line. Anthony, you there? Yes, Ed. What's going on, man? How's it going, man? Pretty good. How you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. So, what's we just spoke last week, you know, ex getting excited about UFC 200 and the, the card, and, and then we get this bombshell being dropped on us with Conor McGregor. What is going on with that, man? Um, For those of you who don't know... MMA fans that are not in the know, uh, yesterday, Conor McGregor tweeted that he's retiring from uh, fighting. He's, uh, he's uh, putting in his uh, MMA gloves, if you will. Now, was it? And there... a lot of people that are on my <clears throat> Did you say something, Ed? Yeah, say that again, man, because you got a little, little interference there. So say that again. Hold on, hold on a second. No problem. Was, uh, it's live radio, people. This happens. He put him in action to a fight in Dublin. It was uh, one of his teammates by the name of Charlie Wolf, state seminal and former Nick, one of his teammates uh, uh, in, in his camp, fought this guy from Portugal. And uh, forgive me for the, the pronunciation. I'm bad with Portuguese. Names, but I believe it's Joe Carvalho. Charlie knocked out Joe and proceeded to hit him nine times before the ref stepped in to call off the fight. And this happened Saturday. Uh, Carvalho died this past Monday. Wow! As a result of his injuries. So wait, wait. So I'm a little confused. Oh. So so Conor McGregor found out about this guy that died in a match recently. 
and this guy was there. He, he was there. He was there. He watched the guy die. Okay, and this yeah. this. Well, he didn't person, watch him die. He, he just watched him get busted up really bad. Okay, and that changed his mind about fighting completely. Like he didn't realize that you know this is a dangerous sport to begin with. I mean, you you have to know when you're you're, you're dealing with combat sports, where uh, a sport where especially a sport where people can hit you with hands, uh, kicks. Elbow strikes, knee strikes, you got to know that going in, there's a good chance that you could get really hurt. Okay, so... But the thing that's... Mm-hmm. No, keep going, because I'm just trying to hear everything in regards to this. Oh, but the thing that bothers me in this case is that, one, the from what I've read on the web so far, the event was unregulated. And that, two, if this is true that uh, Carvalho got nine got hit nine times before the ref stepped in and while he was completely unconscious. Whoever officiated that match should never be allowed to officiate again, in my opinion. I mean, I understand refs want to give fighters uh, a chance to, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, they, they, they usually try to give them a chance to see if they can recover, if they get, like, rocked or something. But if a guy is on the ground not moving, and you let him get hit nine times before you step in, you, you can't be a ref. Wow. I'm sorry. You can't. Because that's, why, that's how people end up dead, unfortunately. Okay, so here's my... It, all it takes is one good shot to knock somebody out. Just one. And I, no, I totally agree with you. Now, my thing is, back to Conor McGregor. So he's, he's there at the match. He sees this guy get beat up, you know, as bad as he did. And that changes him? I guess all, a lot of things can happen in a, one moment, Ed. It's it's such a it's such a weird situation, don't you think? For a guy who's been such a vicious, you know, fighter for his entire career, he uh, he just lost his, you know, he lost a match recently. Mm-hmm. I, I just it's it's such an odd situation, uh, you know, for this this epiphany to, to just come about right before the big, you know, UFC two hundred matches made. And he decides he wants to retire. And uh, how old is Conor McGregor again? Do you do you remember? I want to say 26, 27. I'm not exactly sure, but I know he's over 25. Okay, so it's still a young, it's still a very young age. And for him to to just call it quits, like, are you like this? I'm asking you because I know you, you follow closely. He's 27 years old. Is this the the smart move for him to do right now? I, you know, it's hard for me to say because you know I can't, I can't judge, I can't judge a man for what he he feels he's doing is right for him, you know. But if that's what he feels, fine. I just I can't believe that he would walk away considering um, how hard he's worked to get there. Because before he made it big in uh, MMA, he was a plumber. I don't see him going back to being a plumber. That's just me. Hmm. Very very interesting. Uh... What do you feel like? All right, you said you said he's not going to go back to being a plumber. Uh, Dana White already announced that he's taking him out of the card, regardless if he's really retiring or not. What does this do for UFC moving forward? Is this going to be something they have to be worried about with future fighters pulling out and basically affecting the business? I I I hope, and uh, I, I don't wanna, I can't say with an extreme certainty, but I hope this is a one time thing. I don't know. We we I, I hope this is a one time thing because I don't see anybody else that would uh 
I don't see John Jones doing this. I don't see Ronda doing this. I don't see uh, any other champion really doing this. I didn't even expect this from Conor McGregor. So when I saw that tweet yesterday, it kind of threw me for a loop for a little bit. Yeah. But hopefully this is a, a one-time thing and this won't be a, a trend, as with the NFL with the, a lot of young players retiring early. Yeah, we've seen that a lot the NFL, a, a couple of players just recently, but Percy Harvin, I think, was the most recent to uh, retire because of um, hip oh. problems. So uh, we'll, de- we'll definitely see what's going to happen with that. And um, before you go, Anthony, because it's, it's 420 and this is the theme for today, I just want to ask, who is your, your number one 420 player of all time? I'm going to have to go with uh, Snoopy D.O. Double Jizzle. Snoop Dogg as your player. Snoop Dogg. As your player, <laughs> athlete. Yeah. Oh, player. I thought, I thought you meant player, player. I'm sorry. Are you enjoying 420 at the moment? Is that happening right now? Is that... Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, no. I, I, my bad. I, I, I took the word player in the wrong context. My fault, my fault. That's okay. 420 player. Hmm. 420 player. Well, being that, you know, it's baseball season, I'm going to have to go with... Uh, Captain Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter's 420 guy? I mean, it's baseball season, no? Yeah, but is he a 420 guy? Oh, oh, man. I, I totally <laughs> misunderstood what you said again. I'm sorry. Um, Anthony, you're enjoying right. 420 a lot right now. now. It's I okay. Think... <laughs> it's okay. Now that I think I got your uh, meaning clear, 420 player, I'm going to have to go with uh, my man Josh Gordon. Ah, Josh Gordon. Okay, see now you see how it took us a while, but we got to well, we're we got to the answer. That's it's all good. Okay, we got Josh Gordon, but you know what that means you've got a head start in enjoying it. But uh, thank you so much for your uh, insight on regards to this, and have a good day, man. You too, buddy. Oh man, he said Derek. He went first. He said Snoop Dogg. Then he went Derek Jeter. That's that's real. I, I don't. I look. Hey, that's why he's our MMA guy. <laughs> he stays on MMA. You can't throw anything else at him. But uh, great stuff as always. Anthony Chalute. Wow. That is a lot. Would it be interesting if, if he really was a 420 guy? And I'm talking about Derek Jeter, mind you. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, boy. So, you know what? I do have to think about just Conor McGregor and him being such a young fighter and what he's brought to the sport, like, in terms of his antics and just his overall energy. It's going to be missed. Uh, It was too soon. Just way too soon for a guy like that to uh, call it quits. I don't know what they're going to do for UFC, but obviously they're going to have to make make some adjustments. And they got to make them quickly. I just can't see. I can't see them going into a situation where they have to um, regulate the referees even more to make this the sport even more safer so that a lot of their people stick around. Because Ronda Rousey's, you know, fairly young and she's thinking about retiring as well. It's, it's going to be a, a very... Uh, a very interesting concept for people to understand that you know at the end of the day these are still 
human beings. They still have lives. They still want to live healthy lives after this. So, like in football, when they retire early, it has to be understood. It's, it's people have to live. It can't just be all about our entertainment. But you can only make a sport like like football safer. You can't really make MMA that much safer either. It's it is what it is. It's a dangerous sport. But we shall definitely see. What we're going to do is uh, step aside and uh, take a break. Once again, that number is 516-900-2278. And um, also, at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter. So hit me up on that. And like I said, the second hour, we're going into 420. We're talking about our top players. I'm actually going to give reasons for why I made the list the way it is. And uh, I'm going to have some fun. So I think this is a good song to start off with. We'll be right back. Sports Social. Keep that in so what? I keep them rolled up, sagging my pants, not caring what I show. Keep it real with my n- Keep it playing for these hoes. It look clean, don't it? Watched it the other day. Watch how you lean on it. Eat me some 501 jeans on it. Roll joints bigger than King Kong's fingers. And smoke them hoes down to they stingers. You a class clown. And if I skip for the damn with you smoking grade A. So uh. Like I'm 17 again, peach fuzz on my face. Looking on the case, trying to find a hella taste. Oh my god, I'm on the chase. Chevy, it's getting kind of heavy. Relevant, selling it, dipping away. Time keeps slipping away. Zipping the safe, flipping for pay. Tipping like I'm dripping in paint. Up front, four blunts like a leaf. I put the wheat in the jay. Hey.
we're back. Sports Social with Eddie Easton here on Soundcast FM. Now, obviously, I played that song because we're starting off the special 420 edition of the show. And I'm just going to name a couple of athletes that fall into this category who are big, big 420 fans. Now, I'm going to give you my top, first of all, my top list real quick. You heard Claude's top five. This is my top five. Number five, I'm going to go with Michael Beasley, currently for the Houston Rockets, formerly known, formerly the number two pick, I believe, in the draft, but better known as Kevin Durant's friend from his documentary. He's a very big advocate on uh, marijuana. Actually, he was suspended several times during the regular season back when he played for the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Phoenix Suns because of his uh, constant, you know, appreciation for the uh, for the herbs. So uh, he's definitely on my list at number five. We also have Tim Lincecum, the pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. Very big fan of it. He has mentioned it plenty of times in interviews. And I don't think he uh, really cares what anybody thinks. So uh, definitely want to put him on there. He's, he won a couple of World Series games, so I can't say the guy's terrible, but he's, he's on my list at number four. So obviously it's helping him. Number three, Michael Phelps. The Olympic gold medalist himself, Michael Phelps, has come out and said that he's a big, big fan of it so I uh, gotta put him on you never know maybe it helped him win all those gold medals but uh, Michael Phelps is my number three number two Marshawn Lynch even though he just retired allegedly he's been uh, on several different occasions you know I've had the munchies and what do you do when you have the munchies you eat you eat different things you have skittles and skittles seems to be his uh Number one go-to after enjoying the holiday. So definitely going to put Marshawn Lynch at number two. Number one. This one was a tough one for me. Could have gone several different directions, but I got to go with Ricky Williams. You're talking about a guy that retired at the top of his game. The best running back in football. Still very young because he refused to stop smoking marijuana. There's no realer, uh, you know, response than that. I mean, the guy said he'd rather retire. He'd rather smoke grass than run on it. That was the the huge thing with him. He fought the NFL the entire way. And he did it. I'm still surprised to this day that Ricky Williams got away with it. Then he came back. I just, you don't hear things like that. You don't hear a guy, you know, who's the top guy. I'm talking about he was a cover guy for Madden in commercials. Just, it was just everything. I've never heard of a situation where a guy just rather throw everything everything away for marijuana. I mean, this is this is what it's about. Played all those years in the NFL. 
and he still felt like he needed it. And that just shows the addiction to it. It helped him. So I got him as my number one. I'm interested. I'm really interested to hear anybody else's opinions. I'm going to take look at some tweets as well as, like I said, the hotline is open 516-900-2278. Eli Manning, I'm not going to count. I'm not counting Eli Manning. Just because he looks looks high doesn't mean he is. Not going to put him on that list. Looks like we have uh, some breaking news also. Seems like there's been a trade in the NFL. And yeah, this is uh this has actually just gone down. Wow. Another big draft trade for the NFL. This is breaking news. The Eagles have traded up to the number two pick in the draft. The Eagles are drafting number two. They traded with the Cleveland Browns. And I'm still waiting for details to come in. Looks like Philadelphia is going to receive a, a 2017 fourth round pick along with the number two pick in exchange for five picks. The five picks Philly's going to give up are the number eight, number 77, that's in the third round, number 100 in the fourth, and selections in this year's draft along with next year's first round pick. Wow, they gave up a lot just for this number two pick. Wow. Wow. This is going to be very interesting, the fact that the Eagles are going to make a move like this, going all the way to number two. So uh, once again, this is the huge trade. Just went down about, i say, five minutes ago. The Philadelphia Eagles have traded for the number two pick from the Cleveland Browns. So you just had last week the L.A. Rams trading trading up to the number one pick, and, uh, and now you have the Eagles going to number two. So everybody's mock draft has to start all over again after this. Just wow, and we're definitely going to be covering the story and more information that comes with it because another shocker in the NFL. I mean, this is... This is insane. So the Philadelphia Eagles, they already have the quarterback situation with Sam Bradford. He just re-signed him. They pick up Chase Daniel. Who are they really targeting at number two that... That one that forced them to uh, call in it—it's—it's it's insane. I don't know if Eagles fans are happy about it. We're definitely going to take a look at Twitter to see what fans are talking about and are there any thoughts in regards to it. But uh, once again, this news is still breaking news. We're still trying to process everything, and once we get more information pass it along but it looks like the Eagles just traded away to farm for the number two pick in this year's draft so next week is going to be very very interesting with all these different moves and I don't know if they're looking for another quarterback you you know it goes between Goff and and Wentz they most likely is going to be Wentz is going to go number one will Goff go number two still up in the air I've never seen a a NFL draft switch up like this for the first two picks this is I think unprecedented so we're going to see what they're going to do and and just wow it looks like 
I'm going to take from this, and this is me just assuming the Cleveland Browns have gone all in on RG3 as being their quarterback if they're trading out of the number number two pick. So they're going to go all in on RG3's their quarterback, and hey, that's all power to him. He's got to be the happiest man in the world right now. Just wow. What would interrupt the 420 conversation? Let's let's have a surprise deal by the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> and the Eagles, once again, they, they suffered last year with their quarterback situation. They had Sam Bradford. He got injured. Then he played a lot of Mark Sanchez. Uh, a lot of different calls were from uh, Chip Kelly that were questionable. People had a problem with his, his play calling. That's why he's out. I don't know. This is another one of those trades that kind of gets you wondering what their next phase of action is. Because they definitely have to make a move. There's no, there's really no other, there's no other way of uh, really breaking that down. But we shall see. So while I process everything that just happened in regards to that, we're going to take a quick, quick break. And uh, see if we can get some more answers. You're listening to Sports Social here on Soundcast FM. We'll be right back. song I wrote you might want to sing it note for note don't worry be happy in every life we have some trouble but when you worry you make it double don't worry be happy don't worry be happy now Be happy. 
got no cash, ain't got no style, ain't got no gal to make you smile, but don't worry, be happy, cause when you worry your face will frown, and that will bring everybody down, so don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Now there is this song I wrote. I hope you learned it note for note, like good little children. Don't worry. Be happy. Listen to what I say. In your life, expect some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, don't worry, don't do it. Be happy. Put a smile on your face. Don't bring everybody down like this. Don't worry. It will soon pass, whatever it is. Don't worry, be happy. I'm not worried. And we're back, Sports Social with Ed Easton once again. The uh, breaking news is the... I have to get back into it again. The Eagles have traded for the number two pick in this year's NFL draft with the Cleveland Browns swapping picks. And uh, just to recap it, once we get, I have more information now. The uh, Eagles will receive the 2017 fourth round pick, along with, along with the number two pick in exchange for five picks. So they're getting the 2017 fourth round pick with the number two pick, and it's in exchange for. These five picks. This is the number eight pick that was that was owned by Philly, number seventy-seven, number one hundred, and selections in the next year's draft. So, just wow. I blockbuster. I don't know what they're gonna do, but it's it's the Eagles. They are always full of surprises. If you're Dallas, you probably have to be a little concerned because now you're talking about the quarterback situation. Dallas was looking to, to draft the, a backup for Tony Romo. Does this mess with Does this mess with Dallas's plans now that the L.A. Rams have jumped ahead of them and the Philadelphia Eagles? So it's so much up in the air in regards to these teams. But uh, like I said, we'll have uh, more reaction throughout the rest of this show on that. It's it's one of those things where if you're like me, a Giants fan, you're kind of just looking at everything like, what is going on? I. 
can't I really can't imagine them drafting a quarterback right now. I can't imagine it. That would just be so with Chase Daniel is bringing the guy you brought in to basically fight for the number one spot with Sam Bradford, who you just paid a lot more money to keep. It's very interesting days for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles faithful. I don't I really don't know. I really don't know what they're going to do. And it's funny, it's right in the middle of the uh, 420 conversation. Who knows, somebody could have been, you know, enjoying the holiday and they decided, let's make this trade. When I actually, I didn't get a chance to actually say my notables for 420, in terms of 420 athletes, Allen Iverson, we all know. Big advocate of that said that he's been, he was arrested back in 1997 for possession. So, you know, he's an advocate of that. Kenny Britt, wide receiver in the NFL also, had his issues regarding that. Of course, we say Josh Gordon. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, Carmelo. Back in 2004, his early years in the league got a quote with that. And also in uh, 2008 for suspicion of a DUI. So he's had some, he's had his issues. Randy Moss, I think that's pretty well documented. He actually even said in an interview with uh, Real Sports with Brian Gumbel, his uh, his enthusiasm for weed has he never keeps it a secret. He says it plenty of times to this day. Bill Walton, probably best known, not just for his days at UCLA and winning a title with the uh, Portland Trailblazers. He's a heavy, heavy fan of weed, and and he's. He's put it out there plenty of times. But all right, we have a uh, call on the line. Call who's this? What's happening, Stan? Hey, Stan. So we got this breaking news, man, with the Eagles making this trade for the number two pick. What are yes. your thoughts on this? Uh, I'm happy about it, to say the truth, because it's just another reason, for, another way for the, uh, the the Eagles to screw up the, the team. Um, I don't think they gave up as much as the Rams did. Um, but they did give up a considerable amount. They gave up uh, next year's first, a second-round pick in the following year. Um, those are all valuable picks. Uh, to come up to get what what's possibly going to be Carson Wentz, I think, you know, I don't understand what's going on right now with these teams trading up to get <laughs> mediocre quarterbacks. I don't, I've never heard of this before. We were, just, we were just bashing about how bad the quarterback situation was in this draft, and you said yeah. it plenty of times on your mock drafts. That you see these guys are possibly being second rounders. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I look at you know the, the the crop of quarterbacks. You can get a guy like a Connor Cook, a, a Christian Hackenberg, even a guy like Cardell Jones if you want to develop him later in the draft. I don't know. I don't know why these teams are trading up. They're so you know crazy over Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Um, so I'm I, as a Giants fan, I'm happy about it because you know the Eagles are just going to either. Throw Carson Wentz to, to the fire because Sam Bradford can't hack it. He can't can't do it. Or they're gonna go out there with Sam Bradford. He's gonna get, get hurt as he always does. Then I have to play Carson Wentz anyway. What do you think is the? So they're saying they're gonna. T- it's most likely gonna take a quarterback. What happens now? You you give Sam Bradford all this money, and then you make the deal to bring in Chase Daniel. I just don't think that was the Doug Peterson's plan taking over as head coach. I, I don't think he had any say in regards to this trade. 
I I don't I don't think so either. I think I think uh, a lot of it had to do, especially, you know, like I, I you know I totally forgot about the Chase Daniel signing. Um, he knows the offense that Doug Peterson is gonna gonna run there. He was the insurance policy, especially given getting all that money as a backup quarterback. I think the plan was to kind of uh, transition away from Bradford if he if he couldn't you know handle the offense and then uh, you know go with Daniel. Who, if you think about it, with the money he got as a starter, is pretty appropriate. Now, as a back, you know, it, it, it made sense at the time. I think ownership in in, in the front office made this decision uh, without Doug Peterson's consent. I'm not, not not without his consent, but I, I don't think they really discussed it. And uh, I, I, you know, it's it's just it's just another way for the Eagles to continue to be in disarray, making me very very happy. And now here's my thing. It's you see this deal being made, and everybody around the league now. I know you've had your mock drafts, and every other team is basically settling on who they want to choose and how they want to make their deals. Does this affect anybody else along the uh, in in the draft? In your opinion, like in terms of teams and what moves they make, it affects the Cowboys because the Cowboys were hoping that if even if uh, the the Rams did take a quarterback, and the, they, they were hoping the Browns wouldn't have taken a quarterback, or they would have traded out of the two, that two spot. So it does affect the Cowboys. Now, what the Cowboys can do is take uh, another tackle. Um, I know thinking the Cowboys' offensive line is already one of the best in football, but uh, one of their linemen, Doug Free, is going to be a free agent soon. He's getting older. Now you're looking at a possibility where the, the Cowboys can take a guy like Ronnie Stanley, or Laramie Tunsil, maybe. I, uh, so you're talking about going into 2017 with an offensive line with, uh, you know, three of the best offensive linemen in the league uh, under 25. So it, it doesn't affect the Cowboys because, they, you know, I, don't, I think they're kind of out of the the top, top three quarterback uh, range. They can also trade back and take, uh, you know, Paxton Lynch, but I, I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll be a little more patient. Um, it basically affects any team that wants a quarterback, and I, I like. Not, I don't team should be looking for a quarterback outside of those two anyway. Okay, now Stan, because because obviously we're talking about the Eagles, we also got to think about the other team, the Cleveland Browns. Is this a clear indication that they're all in on RG three? Uh, I don't think it's a clear indication that they're all in on RG three. I think they're just not sold on the 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 guys in the draft. Um, I think they'll they'll give RG three a fair shot, but I think I think it was a smart move on the Browns' part because their their problems are just more than a quarterback. They you know they don't have any wide receivers. They don't have you know a very good offensive line. They don't have a very good linebackers. I mean, people were I was talking to uh to, to Black about it, and he was saying that they should take a corner, but you know, a corner doesn't fix one all of their issues. Just like a quarterback doesn't fix all their issues, so trading back and getting more picks only helps. It only helps them to acquire more picks to to, to take more shots at fixing everything. Okay, so that's it's it's more about just acquiring more picks. So I, I get that absolutely. Okay, it's, it's something that the, the Giants should consider doing too, because the Giants are at ten. You know, Tennessee's sitting there at fifteen. They they they're talking about wanting to get, jump back into the top ten. So why don't you, you know, the Giants trade back to 15. You know, you can still get a quality player because one player isn't going to fix all your issues. No, that's true. The guy you want probably going to be gone. So trade back with Tennessee at 15, and then you acquire, you know, a couple third-round picks or 
you know, a, a second and a third or something like that. You can never go wrong with having more talent. You look at the lesson for success, look at the Patriots do. The Patriots average 55, uh, have, have had 55 picks uh, over the past few years. That's an average of nine a year. So, you know, you look at the second round pick, Dominic Easley. They, they cut him uh, recently. But they can do that because they've had so many picks that, you know, it, they, they make up for it. Okay, so they've had. I understand exactly what you're saying in regards to that. The uh, my last you're, question. The more picks you have, the, yeah. the, the more opportunity you can make a mistake. Okay, so here's my last question now, because this has been such a huge shakeup in the last two weeks or so. Is there another trade on the horizon? Do you feel like before the draft? I think so. I think I. I, I don't think there's. I don't think we're done seeing a trade. Uh, at all, but I think I don't. I don't think we're going to see anything in the top five. Like I said, I think the Giants are a team that's, you know, Jerry Reese has never traded up, traded down. He's traded up a few times, but he's never traded down in the draft. I think this is a perfect opportunity to do so, um, and I, I, I think I think there will be some trades made. Uh, I, I can see the Giants doing that. I can see. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other teams, but uh, I, I think there's some teams that are willing. Like maybe San Francisco at this point might consider trading down because they're not going to get a quarterback attack where they are. All right, some definitely some uh, very interesting stuff right there. Stan Luis, as always, thank you for the uh, breaking news in regards to the Philadelphia Eagles making that deal. Anytime, man. All right. Very interesting. Now we're looking at what's going to happen for the rest of this draft and just how people are going to, you know, try to pick. And, you know, if another trade does come up, and like you brought up the Giants, maybe want to trade back and get some more picks. It's possible that number 10 pick is very uh, valuable at this point. So, uh, I don't know, Ezekiel Elliott is going to be available now that the Eagles are moving up to number two because they like they want to take a quarterback. A lot of thoughts going on, man. There's going to be a lot of different movements, and it's all enjoyable. If you're just an NFL fan, this is all just great enjoyment here. Oh, man. So once again, if you have any thoughts, 516-900-2278. We'll do a step aside and take a break. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Until I got high <laughs> I was gonna get up and find the broom But then I got high uh, My room is still messed up And I know why Why, man? Yeah, cause I got high Because I got high Because I got high I was gonna go to class Before I got high Come on, y'all Check it out uh, I could've cheated And I could've passed but I got high. Uh, uh. I'm taking it next semester, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, cause I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. Go to the next. Go to the next. Go to the next. Uh. I was gonna go to court before I got high. Uh. I was gonna pay my child support 
But then I got high. No, you wasn't. Uh, they took my whole paycheck. And I know why. Why, man? Because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. I wasn't gonna run from the cops. But I was high. I'm serious, man. I was gonna pull right over and stop. But I was high. Now I'm a paraplegic. And I know why. Why, man? Because I got high, because I got high. La da 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 da. I was gonna make love to you, but then I got high. I'm serious. I was gonna eat your too, but then I got high. Now I'm and I know why. Yeah, because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. Come on, man. Come on. I messed up my entire life because I got high. I lost my kids and wife because I got high. Now I'm sleeping on the sidewalk and I know why. Why, man? Because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. I'ma stop singing this song because I'm high. This whole thing wrong because I'm high. And if I don't sell one copy, I don't know why. Why, man? Yeah, hey, cause I'm high. Cause I'm high. Cause I'm high. Are you really high, man? He really is high, man. Shoop, shoop, shooby doo Get jiggy with it. Skippity bebop. And we're back, Sports Social here with Ed Easton once again, taking your phone calls, 516-900-2278. This is the 420 special, and obviously we had the breaking news with the Eagles once again making the deal to uh, pick up the number two pick from the Cleveland Browns. So that's the uh, that's the uh, interesting situation right now regarding the NFL and what's going to be done with that. It's uh, like I said, it's going to be a very interesting next week in how teams are going to make their adjustments because there will be plenty of them. Trust me, plenty of adjustments moving forward. Um, Once again, I'm looking at some of your tweets and I have some people saying like, I don't understand why the Eagles would trade for pick two so soon. Stupid move. I got a lot of Giants fans laughing about this. The, uh, it's it's not trending officially yet, but yes, it's, it's making its way up there. It's definitely making the rounds. But we're going to definitely keep monitoring the situation. And uh, like I said, I'm taking your call, 516-900-2278. This is Sports Social at Easton. We'll be right back. Need the crib with the fountain to splash. SP, the only flower that you know with a bounce and a half. Listen, kid, I need the mountain to cast so I can roll up, hop in the whip, and like bounce to the ab. I get by because I'm in the hood, the slums is around. Take my son just to ease the pain and humble me now. 
And I'd rather slow something up Cause if I'm sober dog I just might flip Grab my sons and hold something up I get flies and kite All alone in the zone Ghost floats Casey dying tonight so I hold them up, back to back, laugh as I could. You got beef for Styles P, I come in black to the hood. Every day. Yo, I burn like a chimney Matter of fact, I burn like exhaust On a Dodge Viper Hennessy I hope like Bob Marley did Add to that, that I float like the hippies did Back in the 70s Spit with the finishing touch Get this, that I'ma finish you before I finish my lunch I get by like the birds in the plains I get by when I make a lot of paper After words exchange I get a rush off the love in the war You understand like the M5 pedal When it's touching the floor I get by cause I ride What's better to do And I'ma always stay live Cause I'm better than you Every day And I flow till my lungs collapse from the R.A.D. Block horse terror getting funds from rap. Yeah. Where dollar bill is powerful. I hope a lot. Cause time seems precious and I know what an hour do. Get by for a living. Got to ride for a living. With my real rough riders that'll die for a living. Dog, I get by as I could. Cause if you see things like I see things, I'ma die in the hood. Listen, dog, understand it's full surface to you. And I don't buy the earth if it ain't purple or blue. And you can name any rapper if you want, he can slide. This is SP dumping in you. Get, I get by. Every day. Sports Social at Easton here on Soundcast FM. It's going to be one of those series. Like now I'm looking at the NBA right now, and I'm thinking about that. Yes, the first round's boring, but back to that Dallas Mavericks-Oklahoma City series. And I like to look at other things outside of what just happened on the court. Before the game and warm-ups, Russell Westbrook always has this little routine that he does. And one of the main things in his routine is like a little dance in front of the uh, the scores table with um, him and uh, Cameron Payne. They do the dance together. And it, for some reason, uh, I guess this was like head games, Charlie Villanueva and another member of the Dallas Mavericks decided to kind of break it up, be like in the middle of it, almost like act like they're in the way. And uh, Russell Westbrook, obviously, being the person that he is, you know, had a problem with it. He pushed him out of the way. There was no fight or anything, but 
it was like little mind games were being played from, from both teams in regards to that. Now, we all know the result. The last-second tip-in or shot from uh, Steven Adams didn't go in. It didn't count because he got it off, I think, a second late from the uh, final from the game clock, and they checked it on the replay, so they counted it was no good. Uh, the Mavericks were able to steal a one-point win in regards to the situation. Now, heading into Game 3 in Dallas, obviously the biggest question is going to be what was going on, just what was going on with Kevin Durant, you know, and obviously their uh, post-game presser after the game, they addressed a lot of those issues. So this was the Oklahoma City pre-game, well, actually not pre-game, post-game presser in regards to the, their loss to the Mavericks and what Kevin Durant feels like was going on during that game. So take a listen. But it was a really, really physical game uh, for, 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 for both teams. Um, I thought um, game one, I think I mentioned that, um, you know, I thought that Dallas had obviously didn't shoot the ball particularly well. I thought they came out and shot the ball much better. Roles were kind of reversed. Um, you know, we just didn't have a great shooting night. I thought defensively we, we really were able to hang around and stay in the game with our defense. Um, <clears throat> I think we generated really, really good shots. I'm anxious to see the film. Um, I thought we got some really, really good shots late. Ball didn't go down, but I thought our defense gave us a chance. And I think to, you know, to shoot the percentage, we shot 33% and shoot 21 from the three-point line and have a chance to win at the end, I think it's a good lesson or message for our guys going forward about our defense continuing to grow because we've been, a, I think, a pretty consistent offensive team. We weren't great tonight. You know, give Dallas credit. They, they certainly bounced back after um, a tough loss here in game one, and um, they, they played very, very well, so give them credit. I mean, I've got all the confidence in the world in Kevin shooting the basketball. And even though he was struggling, I think at one point I, I saw in the stat sheet he was like 5 for 23. I was not, never going to tell him not to shoot. He's, he's a guy that can turn it on pretty quickly and get on a roll. I thought we executed really, really well late. We executed a great play underneath out of bounds. They did coming out. I thought the end of, end of the game play when Felton missed both free throws, we had a play on. I thought we got the floor spaced correctly. We didn't finish it at the end. I thought the side of the bounds play Kevin made was, was a good shot. But... You know, again, the ball's going to be in those guys' hands. They've got to make decisions. And as long as we don't turn it over and we can generate good shots, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, it's a bad shooting night for me. Uh, uh, it's part of it. I wish it didn't happen tonight, but it's a part of it. Uh, got, some, got some great looks all night and uh, just didn't knock them down. So just stick with my routine. Don't do too much extra. Just go out there and tomorrow get ready for practice, you know. It's one of those nights. Uh, they just made some more shots, but I thought defensively we still did a great job. Um, made them shoot the shots we wanted. We just couldn't make the shots we needed to make tonight. But uh, like Kevin said, nights like that happen. Uh, we get ourselves prepared for next game, defend the same way, and uh, you know we expect a different turnout. Do you think you uh, underestimated them? I mean, after winning by 38, I mean. Uh, no, we we never underestimate any opponent. Uh, we come out and play the same way regardless. Uh, like I said before, I thought we did a great job defensively, uh, make them shoot shots they wanted. Um, you know, we just didn't come up with the win. You've had games before where you come out and you started slow, shoot two of seven early, but you always seem to hit a shot that gets you going, and it never seemed like that one came tonight. Yeah. Were you just were you surprised yourself when they just didn't fall? Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised. You know, a lot of them went in and out the basket, a lot of great looks. Uh, but like I said, it's a part of it. You know, no excuse. I just got to make them next time. I got to be better. 
Yeah, put the work in, you know. It's gonna have, I'm going to have nights like that. That's a part of the business, man. So I just got to keep uh, keep staying confident. And my teammates and my coaches stay confident in me. So they kept me, they told me to keep shooting, uh, keep shooting tonight. So I did. Um, you know, I didn't make them. So that's a part of it, you know. Uh, get ready for game three. Now that you've got a trip to Dallas, what's going to be crucial for you guys to do the next couple of days? Uh, just lock in. I think, um, you know, we get back to the drawing board, look at the film, uh, see what we can get better at. Uh, go on the road. It's a series. First team to four. Uh, you know, we won in Dallas before. Uh, we'll go in and with a positive mindset and try to take care, uh, take care of business. Interesting, interesting situation. Like I said, the Oklahoma City Thunder just had such a dominant performance at home in Game One, and it's it's interesting. You're listening to Kevin Durant and his thoughts on it. He said, you know, he just had a bad shooting game. Going to shoot through it. He has the support, obviously, of Westbrook and um, Billy Donovan, the head coach. I didn't see anything that Dallas did that really stopped him. He just missed shots. That's really what it came down to. But uh, I do see this becoming a coming interesting situation. I, I am a big fan of Westbrook and Durant. I still feel like their fourth quarter execution is horrible. Probably the best, the worst in the league, if you're not the New York Knicks. And that's something that's going to hurt them in, in uh, the next round. I still think they get past Dallas. I'm not too worried about that. But uh, it's it's little things like that. They they just have to they got to they got to be aware of. You know, the, the target's going to be on their back, especially after a big win like that, where you can't just humiliate a team. There's, there's no way in the NBA there's not going to be any type of retaliation. So it's going to be one of those type of moments. By far. This is by far going to be one of those type of moments. Uh, also, one of Mitchell, Jamal Crawford won the uh, Sixth Man of the Year award for the third time. And, uh, you know, he had his thoughts and what he wanted to say on it. So we're going to take a listen to uh, Jamal Crawford. He's going to answer a question, the uh, social questions, actually, to uh, how he feels for winning the uh, Sixth Man of the Year award. With a uh, key a fan question from NBA Social, uh, this comes all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, obviously, a fan of yours and of our great game. His name is Ben. He says, Jamal, how have you been able to perfect the role of six man? Continue to play at such a high level for such a long time. Uh, to answer the first part of the question, I think I never envisioned myself being a six man. Huh. You know, I started my whole life. And I actually got to coach Woodson in Atlanta. And he was like, you know, we have our core group in place, but your role is, is just as important, if not more important. So go, go lead the league and scoring off the bench. We need that. You know, and, and at that point, I didn't want to be known as a good player on bad teams. I didn't want to be a guy who could score 20 points on losing teams. Uh, I wanted to win. So at that point, I said, I'll, I'll change the course of my career and where it's going, and I'll get in the sixth man. And then I saw the importance of it. If you look over the years with Ginobili and San Antonio, or Harden and OKC, or Jason Terry with the Dallas Mavericks, or Kevin McHale, all those great players, uh, they believed in something bigger than themselves. And, and I just wanted to win, so that was important to me. And then the second part of the question, uh, just being in love with the game. Like I said, I've never, I've never cheated the game. I play every single day of my life. Uh, <laughs> I, I dreamed about being in this position. I used to listen to music. Like, I wonder if pros listen to that music. You know, whatever it was to be in this position, so I just don't take it for granted. So that was uh, Jamal Crawford giving his thoughts 
It's funny, he said he never uh, wanted to be a guy off the bench. He was always a starter. And, you know, he also didn't want to be known as the guy that was on losing teams. And obviously one of those losing teams that he was on were the beloved New York Knicks. So, and also Chicago Bulls early in his career. I get it. You know, he'd rather go for wins instead of starting. It's something you don't hear often when you talk about players and just the different sacrifices needed to be made in this league. So it's going to be, uh, it's, uh, it's actually congratulations to him. You want to see more players do that, take that sacrifice, say, hey, I'm willing to come off the bench if it helps the team. And he's been rewarded three times on that. I think he's the only one ever won it three times. So that's definitely worth profiling and why I wanted that to be heard. So congratulations to Jamal Crawford on getting the job done in L.A. for all these years. The guy, you don't realize, he's like in his late 30s now. Been in the league for a long time, Jamal Crawford. It's time flies, and, you know, we're going to see what's going to happen with the Clippers. Uh, they got the game tonight against Portland. Damian Lillard, they had him pretty much locked up, him and McCollum, because you got to make these guys defend on the other end. And when you got a guy like J.J. Redick who runs around and Chris Paul, who's just such a great orchestrator of the offense, it's pretty tough to uh, to really match up with a team like that because you're working so hard on defense that when you get the ball on offense – you're pretty much a little spent, and I, I think that's what happened with McCollum, and I, I don't know in terms of how Damian Lillard, who has a different type of motor, I think he's just going to be a lot smarter in the way he guards Chris Paul and not just let him get whatever he wants inside the lane, and once he penetrates, he's such a problem because he opens up the passing lanes. There's You got DeAndre Jordan, you got Blake Griffin, guys who are just athletic enough to go get the ball anywhere he throws it. Got to keep him out the lane, but like I said, that's easier said than done. I do think Portland does. I think Portland wins this game tonight. I, I, I'm going to go out there on a limb and say that Portland wins the game tonight. I think Cleveland takes care of business as usual today. I think they go back to being a little bit more dominant because now they know the type of punches that the Detroit Pistons can throw at them. It'll be a uh, different feel to the game for them. So I like to see where that goes. But it's a. Uh, it's going to be a it's definitely going to be a um, an interesting finish to the first round and how teams are going to react with each other how is it going to be any adjustments made obviously you saw the OKC situation we, we already know the San Antonio Memphis series is over is over since game one so that's not even counting I think if the Rockets lose in their next game at home against Golden State then we can pretty much write them off as well but uh it's gonna be a. It's definitely gonna be a process for both teams. But what I'm gonna say is, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I know today was the 420 special. Enjoy your 420 responsibly, everyone out there. And um, as always, you can always follow the show or just follow me on Twitter at Easton Jr. Go to Soundcast.fm for uh, more information, or even go to SportsSocialPod.com. Once again, sportssocialpod.com for more information on the show as well as past episodes. And once again, my name is Ed Easton. Check me out tomorrow, same time, as always, here on Soundcast FM. I wanna love you.